Um, we are in a series called Family Matters, and we started on Mother's Day. We're going to end next week on Father's Day, and we've been talking about the different stages of life. Um, the, today, we're actually talking about a stage of life that is very relevant to all of us, whether we're actually going through this stage of life or not. Um, it's very relevant to all of us. And I, I want to start by asking you a question. Um, are there things in your life that have expiration dates? It's really not a trick, trick question. Think about your refrigerator right now. How many of you used something this morning that had an expiration date on it that you were a little bit worried about? Got some hands going up. How many of you right now are wishing you didn't do that because of the way your stomach's feeling? <laughs> right now, yeah, got a few back there, uh, one of which is our worship pastor. <laughs> He's back there, you don't see him. There are some things in your refrigerator right now that have an expiration date, and, and if you're going to ignore expiration dates altogether, I, I would just say this. This is kind of a general rule of thumb. Um, if it's not the same color it was when you bought it, that's probably a good sign that you shouldn't, that you shouldn't use it. Um, let's talk about something else maybe a little different. How about clothes styles that you have? Would you say there's maybe an expiration date where you probably just need to not wear the same things maybe you used to? How many 70s or 80s kids do we have in the room right now? And there's no way you might be caught dead wearing some of the things you did. Uh, maybe your hair had a little more girth to it, you know what I mean? You had to really take into consideration how big you wanted to go when you walked through a door, um, and, and maybe you don't want to do that. Uh, me and my brothers, we used, to, we used to have tube socks, and uh, we used to roll them down to our ankles. It looked like we were wearing hula hoops around our ankles. Yeah, we, we probably wouldn't do that anymore. Um, so there's all kinds of style. I mean, we thought we looked cool. You know, the real reason why we, why we rolled them down like that is we were riding in my dad's truck one day, and he said, you boys look like you're wearing pantyhose. <laughs> we were like, roll them down. We rolled them all the way down. And we, we wore them like that for a long time until we figured out there were actually different styles of socks out there. Um, then there's other things in life uh, that maybe don't have expiration dates. Like we would know that we're always going to do this. Like brushing your teeth. If somebody shake their head and please say yes. I mean, we're, we're, we're going to continue to brush our teeth. Uh, some things in life we just know that's it's never going to expire. That discipline in our life is, is always going to happen. Um, there are things you never stop doing, never, never have an end date. Uh, there were some people in Jesus' day who, who tried to put an expiration date on, on a very sensitive topic. And the topic was how long or how much should we care for our parents who are aging? And that's a big topic. And if you're not going through that right now, uh, I just want you to know that it's a high possibility that you will. And when I say high possibility, I mean a very high possibility. Because guess what? We're all getting older. How many of you know that your, your soul doesn't age, but your body does? How many of you right now know that you can't do the things you used to? Used to, you could do a backhand spring out of your bed. Now you lay there for a little bit longer and say, if I move right now, I'm going to throw my back out. <laughs> right? so, but inside, you feel like you're 20. Inside, you feel like, hey, I'm the same as I was back then. That's because your soul doesn't age. Your soul was actually created to live forever, and it will, in, in, in somewhere. Uh, but your body here, because of this thing called sin, we, we age. Um, and so your parents age, and sometimes you look at them, and maybe you're at that stage now. Maybe it's something to come, but they're just not the same as they used to be. They don't have the same pep in their step. My, my dad um, is 64 right now, and uh, I've been scared of him pretty much my whole life uh, in, in a very good way. He always knew how to put the smack down on me and my brothers and my sister, more so me and my brothers. Uh, but he, he's got a lot more gray hair than he used to. 
Um, and I'm starting to think more recently than I ever have, uh, or more than I ever have, that, that, you know what, my dad's getting old. And he tells me all the time, I'm, I'm an old man. I remember the first time I was actually able to bear hug him, and he couldn't get out of it. <laughs> that might sound like, well, you're a shrimp. I don't know how that. Your dad must be. No, my dad's a pretty big guy. Um, but he just, you know, I kind of out, outdid him a little bit. I think it was the way I grabbed him. He, he, anyway, the bottom line is, is that our parents are getting older. And if you are not in that stage now, you will go through it. And so this topic touches us all. And, and there were these people in Jesus' time that kind of put this expiration date on it. And, and Jesus weighed in. He weighed in on the topic. In Matthew 15, 4 through 6, Jesus is saying, he says, for instance, God's law, say God's law, he says, honor your mother and your father, and anyone who reviles his parents must die. <laughs> that sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? He, he was actually saying this is important. I would facetiously say deathly important. It's important. He says, but you say, you see that comparison between what God says and what other people were saying. He says, but you say, even if your parents are in need, you may give their support money to the church instead. And so by this man-made rule that you have, you nullify the direct command of God to honor and care for, for your parents. And they actually were thinking, well, I can take this, this good thing and somehow take the place of the godly thing which is taking care of my parents. They, they kind of wanted to put this expiration date on it by skirting around and doing something that seemingly was good to keep from having to take care of their parents the way God said. And Jesus said, that's not what God wants from us. Jesus, he was making a, a case about what God says we should do to honor our parents, specifically the ones that are aging and need us. Uh, but other opinions in the group, they went completely against it. They, they gave it an expiration date. Maybe they did it whenever it got too hard whenever it got difficult to care for, for their parents or when it wasn't convenient anymore. You know, it just kind of overtakes my life and the things that I want to accomplish. Or maybe when they had forgotten what God said about it, they started to do these other things. The fact is, is that there is no expiration date on this side of heaven when it comes to caring for our parents and giving them the very best that we possibly can. We're supposed to be here to honor them. We're supposed to be here to help them and to do our best to make sure that they have what they need. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk about four stages of aging parents and what goes with it and how we can do our very best to make sure that we care for them the very best that we possibly can. You ready? Yes. One yes. All right. I need some more yeses. Are we ready? Yes. All right. So let's talk about stage number one. This is the fun one. This is the grandparenting stage. How many proud grandparents do I have in the room right now? Yeah. Isn't this a wonderful stage to be at? You spoil the grandkids, and that's, this is why it's fun. You give them everything that you never gave your kids, and your kids are so mad. <laughs> I never had that. Well, you know, these are my grandkids. These are different, right? This generally comes around in your 50s or so. Um, there's lots of exceptions. Um, but whatever age, Solomon was right, really smart man in the Bible, in Proverbs 17:6. he says this. He says, an old man's grandchildren are his crowning glory. And many of you are in this season right now. Maybe you're a grandma or grandpa, and, and sometimes you wonder where the time went, and you see your kids now, that they were just little, and you remember what it was like for them to be little, and now they they're actually have kids themselves. And it's like you step out of time for a minute and, and wonder where it meant. And then other times you're just so glad that you can have the, the beauty and the joy of having these babies in your life again with none of the responsibility, right? You send them home fat, you send them home happy, and with money. 
<laughs> Grandparents, they can make a huge contribution into the, the lives of their grandkids. There was a, a young pastor named Timothy in the Bible, and he had a mentor. His name was the Apostle Paul. He made sure that Timothy remembered that his heritage started with his grandma, 2 Timothy 1.5. Paul's actually writing uh, Timothy, this young pastor, a letter, and he says, I, I know how much you trust the Lord. And this is where he gets clarification. Just as your mother, Eunice, and your grandmother, Lois, do. And there's this, you can see this generation, this, this passing down of the faith. And he said, and I feel sure that you are still trusting him as much as ever. He made sure that he knew that Timothy owed a lot of the success that he had to his grandma, Lois. And so there's, there's the grandparenting stage. And then typically after the grandparenting stage, there's the retirement age. How many of you are close or in that right now? Isn't that a great place to be? Uh, th there's this, this thing where you look forward to actually not having to have the day-to-day -day grind of, of punching in or, or the job that you have. Uh, I, I know a guy who in the last year or so retired for 30 years from, uh, from his job and for the last, I don't know, a few months, every time I saw him, we were counting down days. That last week, every time I saw him, he was holding up a number. You know, it was just like he was, he was ready. Uh, but it typically happens in your 60s or so. Uh, you leave your regular job. You don't have the day-to-day -day responsibilities anymore. Uh, I remember my grandpa being retired, and he didn't slow down a bit. Uh, he just kept going. He always had a project or two he was working on, either in his yard or his shop. Um, he worked in the church. He fished a lot. I mean, he, he just did a lot of stuff. Uh, he seemed to always have something going on. And, and eventually, he had a camper at a campground down in Florida on Okeechobee Lake. Um, he would go there for, he and my grandmother, for uh, several months out of the year. Um, and he just had a great, great retirement. He loved it. He stayed busy. He stayed healthy as much as possible anyway uh, before he passed away. Uh, but not everybody adjusts to a retirement that well. Some people don't. And for many people, their, their sense of self-worth is tied to their job that they had for so many years. And so when they retire, they, they feel like their worth is gone, and they don't feel relevant anymore. Um, and, and sometimes we can get grouchy because of that. You know, we, we used to have our self-worth tied to something, and now we don't, it's not there anymore. And so if you've ever had a, a retired dad or a retired mom... Um, and they just get grouchy all of a sudden in life, and you don't know why? Well, it could be that they're retired, and they don't know what to do with themselves, and they have their self-worth kind of tied to what they had done all, all of those years. Some people spend their retirement years worried about their futures. Maybe they don't, they're scared of death, or they're scared of getting older, or it just kind of hits them all of a sudden that uh, they're at this place that they never thought they'd be at. Maybe they didn't plan for retirement as well as they, they thought, um, some people get retired and they just drive their kids nuts. <laughs> they, they just show up all the time and um, they ask a bunch of questions and they have absolutely nothing to do and they just assume that the kids <laughs> don't either. Um, not always the case, but sometimes it, it, it does. Um, sometimes, and just not all the time, but sometimes people reach this stage and they go off the deep end spiritually. Their life has been kind of structured the whole, the whole way and they've kind of put Jesus in there and their walk with God into it and this big change happens, and spiritually, they just kind of go the other direction. Um, there was a pastor one time shared a sermon about the prodigal son. Remember the story where the son goes off and just kind of wastes his dad money and wastes his life? Um, a woman came up after, the, after the, the sermon and asked the pastor, what do I do when I have a prodigal dad? You know, All of these scenarios, uh, when people retire and, and things change, uh, it can create stress on the family. It can create stress on the one that's retiring and, and stress on the ones that are kind of there. 
Um, that's why the Bible is so clear about what we're supposed to be doing during this stage. Um, in Titus chapter 2, verse 2 through 4, it says this. He's talking to the church. He says, teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, and to live wisely. They must have a sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children. And so he's saying, as you get older, as you reach this stage, you still have a purpose. And that purpose is to look at the people that are coming up that are younger than you and pour into them. Pour into them what you learn. Men, he's saying, be self-controlled. Live worthy of respect. Have a sound faith. Women, you should be an influence. When people see you, when the younger women see you, they should just see you and just all of a sudden want to be closer to God because of it. You should be showing them how to honor and love their husbands and how to love, how to love their kids. We have this, this role to be an example and to share wisdom. So that's the retirement stage. And, and typically after retirement, um, there's this stage called role reversal. And all of a sudden, the, the child kind of becomes the guardian and kind of starts to make some of the decisions that the parent used to. And then the parent kind of becomes the child in, in, in a way and begins to have to yield to some of the decisions that the children are making. And it's just one of the realities of life. The aging parent begins to depend on you for things that they didn't used to, like driving them to appointments or driving them to some of their engagements, um, maybe making sure their grass is cut or making sure that the, the house maintenance is done, maybe just checking in on them from time to time. It's a reality, and it's a hard stage because all of a sudden what I used to be able to do for myself, I can't. Psalm chapter 90, verse 10, says that our, our days may come to 70 years, or 80 even, if our strength endures. But yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, and they, they quickly pass and we fly away. There's lots of exceptions to this. Um, in fact, I met a man a few years ago who was really healthy. He was about 90 years old, sharp as a tack, World War II vet. And I sat in his kitchen and just listened to him talk, and I felt like I was talking to somebody you know, from, from a completely different time, and I was. <laughs> and he, he, pulled, he got this box out from his room and pulled it out and, and opened it up and started showing me all these World War II relics. And, and, and it wasn't something that he had gotten from his grandpa. They were his. Like, he got them. Uh, some of the things he got when he was marching through German-occupied countries, um, he showed me all these things, and I was like, this stuff should be in a museum. He's like, no, they're mine. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you know. And I, another woman I know in her 90s, um, she can shop circles around her kids, her grandkids, and her great-grandkids. I mean, just healthy and, and sharp. Uh, but that's not typical. Typically, you have this role reversal stage that happens uh, with someone somewhere around 70s or 80s. And, and people in this stage, they often begin to lose confidence in their abilities. They, they used to be able to move a little bit better than they could now. And some of their physical mobility is, has declined. Uh, maybe their mind isn't as quick as it once was. And sometimes just being around this new era of technology sometimes really baffles uh, people that are getting older. They don't understand, and they're intimidated by computers and smartphones. Um, somebody asked me one time, it was an elderly lady, so endearing, but she asked me, did I have an internet? <laughs> I said, yep, <laughs> I got one. Um, just didn't understand. And that's, that's funny, but it, the reality is, is that sometimes that, that can be intimidating for people that are getting older. And so we, we have to be endeared. We have to help. And, and sometimes that happens with the, the role reversal stage. Um, and they, they tend to reach out to the people that are closest to them. And that typically is their adult children. 
And they'll ask for things like, you know, I need you to help me buy a car. And you got to go kind of help mom or help dad who used to kind of know how to do that stuff. And now they're intimidated by it or, or maybe help with their bank account. Uh, or maybe just something as simple as helping program their TV. You know, heard a guy say one time, I'd, I've been over there four times to help do the same thing, which was basically push two buttons. And I said, wow. I said, uh, how is it when you go over there? He said, I'm not ever going to let her know how frustrating it is. <laughs> he said, I'm just going to go and I'm going to do it. I said, that's a good, that's a good thing because as old as she is, she can probably still kick your butt. So I would, I would probably say do that. Um, and sometimes they're just too insecure maybe to do things alone, especially if they're widowed. And so they ask for help. And at first, the requests that they make to their adult kids, it's an honor because the adult sons or the adult daughters, they, they want to go help mom and dad. Uh, but soon, there's feelings of insecurities in, in the adult kids because they think this is the person that I used to go to for advice. And now all of a sudden, the reality kicks in that I'm having to go to them to help them out. And that this used to be the strong one, the one that I looked to to lead me. And now, now I'm, I'm going to them because they need me in the other way. And it's, it gets insecure. And these are the moments where you look at your mom or your dad and you just wonder where time went. You, they don't, they're not even capable necessarily of being their own boss. And it can be stressful because you know you've got to make decisions for them sometimes. And, and sometimes, if I'm just being honest, they're, they're stubborn and they don't want you to be their boss. They still want to be their own boss. And that's, that's a reality of this stage. And it's difficult to navigate those types of things. Um, there was a story of a lady in her 80s who used to insist that she was still capable of driving. Um, and basically what that meant to everybody else is she could still sit in the car and steer. But other than that, the timing and the depth perception, I mean, she, in the face of everybody who told her, look, we could help you, she didn't want to do it. And so if you ever got behind her driving, um, you realized two things really quickly. One, you weren't going to go any faster than 35 miles an hour. And two, you were going to see knuckles. <laughs> That's about all you were going to see from behind. Um, she got into several accidents, minor accidents, but she got into them, and the police report noted that every one of them were not her fault, according to her. <laughs> I mean, she, she just, you know, uh, maybe you're in a season with your mom and dad where this is kind of the case. You're in this role reversal stage. How do you handle it? What should you be thinking during this, during this time? What should your outlook be? I want just a, a couple of quick uh, suggestions. Um, some of them are from an article that were written uh, years ago. Um, by Barbara Crosley. If you're in this stage, think about doing this. Think about shifting yourself into a lower gear. Because the fact is, is that we are addicted to hurrying. We want to hurry. We want to do everything fast. We want to move around at a fast pace because life is fast. But the elderly aren't. In fact, if you don't shift yourself into a lower gear, you are going to constantly create tension between you and them. Because while you're capable of shifting into a lower gear, they're not capable of shifting up. And so if you don't shift down, if you don't slow down, if you don't slow your mind down and take the time to truly understand, you're going to constantly be frustrated. And so will they. Maybe another thing you can do is shop for them. Now, this might sound crazy. It might sound weird. It might even not sound worth doing. Uh, but your aging mom or dad, they, they may feel like you don't care about them at times. You ever have that happen? Even though you try your best and, and maybe they say, I, I wish you'd spend more time with me, even though you do spend time with them, and they just feel as if you don't. And the reason is because their lives have slowed down almost to a halt, and they spend the majority of the time by themselves. And the times that you do spend, you're trying to fit in. 
And so something as simple as shopping for them, it doesn't have to be crazy. Maybe it's an outfit or maybe it's a special kind of ice cream that they like. Something and they'll, they'll receive it and say, this person cares about me. My son or my daughter cares. Don't wait for a special occasion. Just go get them something. It doesn't have to be big. Just do something for them that shows, hey, I was thinking about you uh, while we were apart. Something that's really big that can seem insignificant, but it's, it's, it's actually huge, is touching them. Did you know that we were made for contact with other people and that a simple hug or a touch can communicate just as much love as a million words? Maybe you just touch them on the shoulder. Maybe you hold their hand. Or maybe you just, while you're walking, maybe you just touch, touch their elbow. Um, it may be awkward, maybe some dynamics, maybe for you, maybe for them too. But it'll, it'll communicate love by touching them. So maybe just a touch. Remember that the best gift is time. In this busy, fast-paced world, one of the best things you can do is give them quality time. And it really doesn't matter what you do, just do it with them. Sometimes just being with them and listening to them talk is some of the best things that you can do for your aging parent. Just sit and listen. Ask them, ask them questions about their past. Ask them questions about when they were young. Ask them questions about what it is. And, and sometimes, uh, even though they don't remember everything, sometimes they can remember a lot from way back when, and you can ask them. And they can, they'll sit there and tell you. I remember I was uh, visiting my grandmother, who's aging. She's in her upper 80s, and uh, this is a picture of me and her. Uh, that's Almeida. I love my grandma Almeida. Um, she used to be able to whoop me. I'll tell you a story real fast, not in my notes. Uh, one time I was acting up in, in a department store when I was a kid, and she took a belt off of the rack and beat me with it and then put it back. <laughs> True story. I learned real fast, you don't mess with Grandma Almeida. Uh, but I do love her, and she loves me. And uh, my grandfather died almost 20 years ago. They were married over 50 years, and Grandma's feeble these days. It hurts to sit. It hurts to walk. It hurts to do a whole lot. Uh, she's losing her memory. Um, she asked me recently what I did for a living, and she knows uh, for the past 17 years what I've been doing. Um, but we, as we sat at her dining room table drinking a cup of coffee, I started to ask her um, about this picture that she has. And this is the picture of her, and she was 17 years old. Um, and I was asking her about that time in her life and dating my grandpa. And as soon as I began to talk to her about this, she, she, she went from shifting around and hurting and grimacing. She sat straight up. She kind of propped herself up. Her whole face began to blush a little bit, and she grinned like a little schoolgirl as she began to tell me about dating my grandpa. And I thought to myself, this is that soul that's inside of her that's not aged one bit, that is coming out now, being able to sit there and tell this story. And I said, well, what were you doing in that picture? She said, I was skipping school. What do you think I was doing? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sometimes just sitting and listening to somebody can bring the most joy out of them, and it'll give you the most joy too. And spending that quality time together sometimes is the best thing that you can do. And it doesn't involve doing a whole lot. Sometimes it's just sitting and talking. And as time goes by, um, if they age enough, they'll go from the role reversal stage to the complete dependent stage. In the Bible, Jesus was talking to one of his disciples, Peter. In fact, Peter was one of the guys that would eventually start the first church. And Jesus was talking to him. And in John 21, 18, he said, When you were young, you were able to do as you liked and go wherever you wanted to. But when you're old, you're going to stretch out your hands and others are going to direct you and take you where you don't want to go. And if your parents get old enough, someone's going to have to take care of them. 
Someone's going to have to dress them. Someone's going to have to lead them, maybe even where they don't want to go. So what do you do with mom or dad when they're too feeble and weak to walk up and down stairs anymore? Or what do you do with mom or dad when maybe they can't be trusted to cook their own meal on a stove uh, without the possibility of, of danger, of fire, or them hurting themselves? What do you do when you're in this stage where you're looking at mom or dad and their mental state is, is slipping due to dementia or Alzheimer's and, and, and you, don't, you don't know what to do with them? You know they can't be by themselves and they're moving into this stage where they're completely dependent and they need to be dependent. People at this stage, they, they can be a great source of joy, but they, they just need a lot of care. Um, Pastor Jim tells a story when he was visiting an, an 88-year-old woman named Belle Luthien, um, and uh, it, was, it was somewhat humorous. He, he tells the story. He said there was, there was a woman in, in the bed next to Miss Bell when he walked in the room, and the woman next to her said, well, who's this handsome young man? And he said, it's been a long time since I've been either of those, so I was very attached to what she was saying. And he said, when I got done praying with Miss Bell, I wanted to go over here and minister to this very godly, perceptive woman. <laughs> so he walks over and says, hi, I'm Jim Wall. How are you? And the attendant says, she has Alzheimer's. She doesn't know anything. <laughs> and he said, I went from all the way up here to, to the pits, and she just said I was a handsome young man, you know. If your parents reach this stage where they need constant care, it's very difficult sometimes to navigate decisions. And you basically have three, three decisions. One, you can move a nurse into their home and give them care. And I'm told that's very expensive, and it's hard to find quality people to do that. Uh, and people that you trust fully to be able to be with your loved one. Um, two, the other option is to move them into your home. And that can be demanding. And uh, let's just talk open and honestly. It just disrupts your whole family dynamic. Uh, and there's heavy levels of stress that come with the new normal that are in place. Because all plans in your life revolve around, around your parent. Um, there's several services that you can get to come help relieve some of that stress and give you a break. Um, Third option is to move them into a nursing home, and that can be expensive, not just on your bank account, but it can be expensive on your emotions, and it can be expensive on the family dynamic in terms of how we're going to make this decision on children, and it can be just demanding and expensive on the aging parent as well, emotionally. Nobody wants to put their parent in a nursing home. Nobody does. Um, these decisions can be an ongoing stress for the family. Sometimes nursing homes are the only option for kids that have aging parents. Um, but we think about, you know, the mom who used to be so unselfish is now critical and demanding, and I'm no longer able to care for her the way that she needs to be cared for. Or the father who was once so happy, and now he's unfriendly, he's hard to deal with, he's hard to manage, he won't listen. And not on top of that, there can be guilt associated with it because you're trying to meet the demands of a mother and you just start to think, wow, if I really loved my mother, then I wouldn't be so frustrated <laughs> at the demands she's making. This woman raised me. She gave birth to me. Why do I feel so frustrated at my mom right now? I, I just feel like I should, you know, be willing to do whatever it takes, but it's causing a stress in my family. It's causing a, a dynamic that I don't like and I'm, I'm guilty. I feel guilty because of it. And you add to that the, the family and friends, specifically maybe the brothers or sisters that are kind of sharing the responsibility of making these decisions, and, and a couple of them agree, some don't, and they think they should go with this family and this go with that family, and, and you got some siblings that live out of town and can't help, some that just won't, and you feel, some of you feel like the burden relies completely on you. 
And it's hard. It's hard navigating this. Can I just say, there is no easy, right, or wrong answer when it comes to caring for your aging parents when they get to this complete dependent stage. And there's lots of things to take into consideration, but let me just say this. At the end of the day, be sure that you're making decisions on what's best for them and not what's best for you. Dr. Manning, uh, Doug Manning, he wrote a book several years ago with, uh, about these kinds of tough decisions for your aging parent. And he says this, he says, at best, it's a choice between distasteful options. In his book, he talks about a woman that said, I'm, I'm never gonna put my mother in a nursing home, ever. She's just very boastfully said that. I'm never going to do it. She raised me. I'm never going to put her in a nursing home. And so she built a room onto her house. She brought her mother into the home. Uh, obviously, the mom was at this complete dependent stage. She demanded 24-hour care. Um, the, the, the child eventually took a job so that, one, she could help pay for some of the expenses that were happening, but two, just so she could get out of the house for a while and have a break. And uh, it was an incredibly difficult task on the family um, and as soon as she would get home from work, it was just basically relieving the nurse and then right back to it. And the author, Dr. Manning, he, he wrote this. He said, I watched this unfold for four years. She didn't have to face the guilt of moving her mother to a nursing home, but the cost of avoiding that guilt was detrimental to the rest of the family as the house became their whole entire world. No weekends out, no vacations, no free time at all. And in the process, her mother didn't even get the medical attention that she really needed and she thought she was doing it all for her mom, but in reality, she was doing it for herself. She tried to avoid the guilt of a hard decision in the face of advice from doctors and pastors and from nurses. And if her mom could have talked, her mom. And then he said this, and this was kind of the premise of the whole thing. Maybe you need to hear it today. He said, love is doing what people need, not what they want. And love is doing what people need, not what you want. So don't make decisions based on what's going to make you feel better. Don't make decisions based upon your guilt. Make the decision based on what Jesus said in his word in Matthew 25, 40, when he said this, I tell you the truth, anything you did, even for the least of my people that are here on earth, you did for me. So make decisions based on, hey, when I do this, I'm doing what's best for them as I'm doing it, even under Jesus Christ. And once you've done your very best, because that's the command, is to honor our father and our mother with no expiration date, to honor them. It wasn't a specific thing. It was to do your very best to honor them. And then give it to God. Release them to God once you've done your best and trust them. Because you're not responsible for the happiness of your parents. Did you know that? What you're responsible for is to provide them with the best loving care that you possibly can. Dr. Paul Ruskin uh, is a geriatric psychiatrist and professor, and he wrote about being a professor and starting one of his classes, uh, and he would always start it this way, he said, and what he would do is he would get in front of his group of graduate nurses that were studying uh, the psychological aspects of aging, and he would always give them the, this, this case study, and he would begin to describe some of the symptoms of a patient, um, and this is what he said. He said, the patient neither speaks nor comprehends the spoken word. Sometimes she babbles incoherently for hours on end. She's disoriented about person, place, or time. She does, however, respond to her own name. 
I've worked with her for the past six months, but she still shows complete disregard for her physical appearance and makes no effort to assist in her own care. She must be fed, she must be bathed and clothed by other people. And because she has no teeth, her food, have to be, her food has to be pureed. Her shirt is always soiled with drool because she can't control it. She doesn't walk. She doesn't sleep very well. Her sleep patterns are erratic. She often wakes up in the middle of the night screaming and wakes up other people. Most of the time she's friendly and happy, but several times a day she's agitated without apparent cause. Or she can't be comforted. And then he looks at the class and he says, now I want you to tell me how would you feel about caring for a patient like that? Because they're going to go into some situations where they could possibly have this type of thing. And, and they have different answers. Some people would say frustrated. Some people would say annoyed. Somebody even one time said depressing. Like, I don't want to do that. And then he said, after they gave me all their answers, he said, I'd pass a picture around of my six-month-old little girl. <laughs> and say, this is the patient I'm talking about. This is my little girl. And then he'd ask him, why is it so much more difficult to care for a 90-year-old than it is for a six-month-old with identical symptoms? Perhaps the infant represents new life. It represents potential. We're kind of motivated to do it. Maybe we look at the aging parent and it's frustrating because it's, uh, we're forced to maybe look at our own mortality. Maybe it's frustrating because we look at people that are near the end of their life and it, it represents something completely different and so our, our brains just kind of don't see it the same way. But he said, well, whatever the reason is, we can change our perspective when it comes to those who are nearing the end. Not just because they deserve the same care and attention as infants in the beginning, but because there is another perspective that we sometimes miss. And that is this, that Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And whoever believes in me, though he were dead, yet they'll live. In spite of aging, in spite of death, Jesus brings hope. And the Bible says that he died on the cross so that when we leave this earth, we could spend an eternity in a heaven that he prepared. And when we look at our aging parents who are almost near that place, we don't have to look at them simply as frustrating. We don't have to look at it as simply just kind of rearranging our whole life. But we can look at it saying, the, the one that I love, my, my mom or my dad or somebody that I'm taking care of that I love, they are closer to heaven than they've ever been in their entire life. And I want to make it as easy as possible for them as I help them cross that finish line. And then we can get excited that Jesus made that place for them. This isn't the end. This isn't the frustrating part. This is the party. Yes, it might take a little bit of effort because we live in this world. And in this world, we have, we have sin and we have death. And we're all aging and we're all, we're all cricking a little bit more. And we're all, sometimes we need some grease in our elbows <laughs> to make them move a little better. And we get to this place when we're, we're older that we just can't do the same things we used to do. And we need someone to care for us. Let's not drop them. Let's pick them up. Because Jesus is the, the, the next thing, seeing him face to face. And we can make this last part just as beneficial, just as hopeful as the earlier parts of their lives. There's a, a story about a woman and her elderly mother, and they were at the Blue Ridge Mountains, and they were overlooking this valley in the fall. Can you just imagine this for a minute, this big valley filled with trees as far as you could see, and just all the fall colors and the beautiful browns and reds and yellows. Beautiful place. And the woman asked her mom, she said, isn't it, it wonderful of God to take something just before it dies and make it so beautiful? 
And her mom, who was elderly, said, wouldn't it be great if he did that with people? <laughs> and it just kind of went into her, into her heart, the child, and she, she said, sometimes he does. She started to think about her mom. Mom, you're so beautiful right now. You're the closest you've ever been to Jesus. And I want to make this the best for you. There's a promise of a new body. There's a promise of a new full mind. There's a promise of a body that doesn't age. There's a promise of a heart that never stops beating. There's a promise of this, of this life that we have on the other side of this one where we never fade, where we never grow old. And it's available to us. And it's available to our parents who are aging because of Jesus Christ. And if we hold on to him, then we have everything we need to help them cross that finish line. And sometimes it's the people who are the most closest to him that are the most beautiful. Would you agree to that? Can we stand together? We're going to pray. Our prayer team is going to come up. And if you have a need today that you need some prayer for, they're here. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is. They're here to help you pray. We want to make that available to you. Um, I'm going to pray in a second. And when I do, I'm, I'm going to pray for two things. And if you fall into one of these two categories, I want you to pray with me. And I, I pray that you be bold to make a decision today. And the first one is simply this. You've heard me talk about the life after this one. And the only way to get there is through Jesus' sacrifice. He's already done it. He's already done all the work. He's already done everything that he came to do. And the decision lies in your hand. What are you going to do with it? And he doesn't make it complicated. He says, after this life, there is a reality called heaven. He said, and he wants you there. And the only way you can get there is to accept Jesus' sacrifice for you and not your own goodness. And it takes humbling yourself. It takes saying, I, I can't do it on my own. In fact, the Bible is so clear when it says nobody is good enough. There's only been one, and his name was Jesus. And he says, I loved you enough to make that sacrifice for you. But even his power is limited in the sense that he won't make that decision for you. You have to make it. And I wonder if you'd be willing to say yes to him today. And then I'm going to pray for those of you who are in this stage, any, four, any one of these four, where you're dealing with some of this stuff with aging parents. And maybe you have a, a newfound hope today. Maybe you have a new kind of a, a, a wisdom set that you can walk into this, walk into your life with. And I wonder if you'd be willing to say, I want to be energized as I help them cross the finish line. I want to be energized and I want to share the love of Jesus Christ and not my own frustrations into these stages. I wonder if you'd be willing to say yes to Jesus today and let him be your strength and your hope. Can we pray together? At any time during this prayer, our prayer team's here and they, they want to pray with you. So just feel free any time to walk up. Lord, we're grateful for you and we're thankful for the fact that we get to gather here today and not, not just hear your word, Lord, but that you're here waiting and listening for us to make decisions and that you're loving and your arms are open and you don't condemn because every single one of us, from, from me, I'll start with me, all the way to the back of the room, we've all messed up. And I'm not just saying at one time in life. We, we have the potential to mess up literally every single day. But God, we know that when you look at us, you don't condemn us. You just look at us with love. And your desire for us is to come to you for strength and come to you and let you walk with us. So Lord, I know there's people in the room right now that they just, they want to say yes to you. And if you're out here right now and you, you feel that pull at your heart, that's Jesus tugging at you. And I just, I pray you'd be bold enough to say yes. I'm going to pray. You just agree with my prayer. I need you, Jesus. I can't do this without you. And I just, I need you to walk with me. I really believe that you are who you said you were. That you're the son of the living 
God, the one true God, the one that we sang about in the songs earlier, the one whose name is above all names. I believe that you really came to this earth to die for me. You really died, and I believe that you really rose from the grave, and you demonstrated your power that's, a, that's matchless over, over death. And I just turn myself to you. I just accept your sacrifice for me. I'm done living for myself. I'm not perfect, but Lord, I trust in your perfection. And I ask you to walk with me as I aim my heart at you. And I pray that you'd walk with me every day. I, I, I don't know all the answers, but I know you're going to let me understand enough of the scriptures so that I can make it to heaven and influence the people around me that I have influence in. I thank you, Lord. I accept you and I say yes. For other of us in the room today, God, there's, there's people in our lives that need us in ways that they haven't needed us before. And it's hard and it's frustrating and it's part of this life. God, I just, I pray for a newfound strength. I pray for a newfound wisdom. Lord, when it comes to decisions that they have to make, when it comes to family dynamics, Lord, only, only you know what's best. But I believe your word when it says that you work all things together for our good, even things that seem hard, even things that seem bad, even things that we can't even put our, our brain around. Lord, your word says that your word goes out. It doesn't come back empty, but it accomplishes the purpose for which you sent it, even when we don't understand. You work all things together for our good, for those that love you and who are called according to your purpose. And I know there's people in the room right now that love you and are called by you, but they're facing difficulty when it comes to aging parents. I pray that just there'd be a wisdom in them right now, Holy Spirit, that you show them not just how loved they are, but how capable they are in you. Let them remember, Father, when it gets the, the most difficult that their parents are the closest to you they've ever been that their hearts would break and they'd have a newfound strength to get in there and help them cross that finish line in, in a way that honors you. And we pray all this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Can we say amen together? Amen. amen.